Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming. Excuse us for being good citizens. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1997 threequel. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Home Alone 3. Guys, Home Alone 3. And despite what she tells you, Carrie Ann was not bullied into this. <laughs> not bullied into this. You know what? That fact remains to be seen. Okay. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at KickNStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at KickingAndStreamingPodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's this holiday season. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little holiday watch party. Please don't forget to go over and check out the Patreon. Guys, it's the holidays, and there's never been a better time to give us your money. Guys, for just... <laughs> Just $5 a month, you're getting access to all of our television coverage, all of our long-form coverage, all, you know, a little shooting the shit with Carrie and Ross, maybe some criticism, who knows, like... Even if you're not supporting us, please support indie podcasts this holiday season. Please, please do, please do. All right, let's get this over with. Hey, stop! <laughs> this is different from previous Home Alones. It's all one word, guys, Home Alone. Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> The first two Home Alones, we have covered the previous two Christmases. And I'm sorry, there was no way I wasn't wearing Carrie down about this. It was a perfect storm. It was indecision mixed with not wanting to make that decision. <laughs> mixed with we're down to the wire, so we're doing Home Alone 3. So we present to you Home Alone 3. <laughs> $10 million for the microchip, Mr. Beaupre. We will find it. Their mission is deadly. It has to be on a plane. We are going to Chicago. Their technology is state of the art. There are 26 miners in the 14 houses we haven't checked. Their strategy is unheard of. We're going to work houses in broad daylight. It's the suburbs. Nobody's home during the day. They've got the perfect plan. That's the house. Tomorrow we hit. He's got the chicken pox. What? And he's home alone. Nobody's gonna do anything about this. I'll just have to do it myself. I'll go in the front. Heads up! Ouch! Surprise! I'm coming from John Hughes, the writer and producer of Home Alone. See ya. This Christmas, staying home will become an adventure again. Home Alone 3. Wait till you see what I do next. Written by John Hughes, directed by Raja Gosnell. Okay, so um, Raja Gosnell, we've heard that name before when it comes to movies. <laughs> Raja Gosnell, uh, he has directed a couple of films you might have seen in your lifetime, uh, like Yours, Mine, and Ours. No, oh my God. Big Mama's House. No! Indeed, and my f Never Been Kissed. Oh, Drew Barrymore. Uh-huh, and my fave 
Scooby-Doo. Yes! He is the director of Scooby-Doo, the, the live action, air quote, live action version. Absolutely. Which is just a bop and it has to be in Kicking and Streaming 2023. Absolutely. It absolutely has to be. Guys, John Hughes is back with us. He, of course, created the Home Alone franchise and he's capitalizing yet again. I honestly cannot believe that he is here writing this. This was Roger Gosnell's debut. Yeah. Direct, directorial pick. And also, John Hughes, of course, produces and writes a script. Yeah, baby. And he was like, oh, Home Alone, my baby, my cash cow baby. I can't <laughs> I can't not write a threequel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, guys, I just, listen, I just think it hits different. I love the first two and will always rank them above this one. But, like. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> do you? Yes, I do. I have a feeling that you don't. No, when you put it to me last week, you were like, I rank them one, three, then two. And I was like, all right, whatever. I kind of do, though. I know, and I don't get it, but I'm sure you'll make your case throughout. People can see for themselves, Carrie. All right. They don't always need us. Whatever. But we're glad you guys choose, too. (laughs) We know you have a choice when it comes to rehashing shit from your childhood. (laughs) And we're so glad you choose us, guys. We're so incredibly glad. Guys, it made $47 million. Eh. Which is an admirable profit off of a $32 million budget. <laughs> All right. All right. You know, they, 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 they. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, Home Alone 4 is where I draw the line, though. Of course. I, I can't. I, I, talk about stank. <laughs> I mean, it was direct. To, it was made for television. Come on. Yeah. All right, guys, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. Um, (laughs) Do we? Yes, we do. We've got a couple of notables. We absolutely do. Guys, as you know, we're dealing with a whole new cast of characters for the threequel. Yeah. I I hate, I cannot believe I didn't think of that. (laughs) Ever since you've said threequel, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be referring this to as the threequel through the rest of the coverage. What? I'm fine. Stop it. I'm going to be okay. Oh, my God, in heaven, Carrie, it's not that bad. Man up! Oh my god. (laughs) It's Christmas! All right. I'm sorry. (laughs) And yes, Christmas is in the background, but. Yeah, that's the thing. Doesn't this movie take place after Christmas? We need a whole podcast to dissect what makes a Christmas movie because. The conversations we could have about what or was what or what does not constitute a Christmas film. And yes, I'm probably wrong in a lot of my opinions, but who knows? So going back to We've Got Names. <laughs> going back to We've Got Names. Our little protagonist this this week, Alex Pruitt. Uh, please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming in his second appearance. We've got Alex D. Linz. From Max Keeble's Big Move. Yeah, which is quite literally the only other movie I can name with him in it. So He's a great heir apparent, though, to like Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister. He certainly is, because not only is he stupid cute, but he's also just, he's just got, it's that Max Keeble flair. Remember how I, when we covered Max Keeble, I was talking about, I want to be friends with this kid yeah. so much. Absolutely. And no one else does, and I'm like... <laughs> This kid is cool, and it, it, it's that same. It's that same spark, it's, you know. It's authentic in a way. Like I think this is his first movie too. Yeah, and didn't you tell me when we covered Max Keeble that Keeble that Alex Linz is like a scientist now? He's a research fellow at the uh, University of California. Yeah, doing the good work. Yeah, I think University of California. Alex, if I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. I don't have it in front of me. Um, <laughs> Keep please. doing the good work you're doing, though, Alex. Like, Also, please be our friend. Yeah, please. <laughs> Us two in Indiana. 
Guys, as Alex's mom, it's not the Catherine O'Hara yeah. that we so have come know to love in the Home Alone franchise. But no, we've got we've got an admiral replacement. Yeah, we do. I mean, I... she's not as she's not as quirky as as dear uh, Kate McAllister. But you're into her because she's hot. It's like this. Well, she's like the silhouette of Kate McAllister, right? Like this actress, uh, Haviland Morris. She looks. Pretty, she looks pretty similar to Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, she doesn't have the energy though. Yeah, and she, but like she's a redhead, you know, she's a redhead, you know, and like it, I just, Kate is it's not Kate. See, Karen, Kate, see, like it's it's very close, but at the same time, it's not it's not Catherine O'Hara. But Havlin Morris, um, she is notable uh for for Broadway. Um, she's been in several staged productions in Broadway history. Uh, she was in Sixteen Candles Ooh. in 1984. Oh. She was Caroline Mulford. Okay. In Sixteen Candles, she's a Wendy Worthington in Who's That Girl, which must be in Kicking and Streaming 2023. <laughs> that bad Madonna movie no one ever talks. <laughs> about it's so bad like i always remember enjoying that even since i was a child yeah that's why because we were children and I mean, had no concept of movies you're right uh gremlins 2 fifth element um what else let's see of course law and order Oh my God, we're going to have another Law & Order mention coming up. She's been in tons of Law & Order and also um, also Cosby. <laughs> Barf. Generic white woman on Cosby, probably. Guys playing... Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> do, do not be this way. Playing... Sorry. Playing dad, Jack Pruitt. We've got Kevin Kilner. The only other thing I know Kevin Kilner from, he's Senator Michael Kern on Netflix's House of Cards. Here we go. Yeah, you know I'm always going to pick out the House of Cards actor. I, I, sorry, guys. I'm just feeling some kind of way about both the Pruitt parents. Like, I like... Stop. Like, Please don't. Ha- have one more. She's just so... <sighs> she's got it, you know? <laughs> Please do not tell me that you think the Pruitt parents from Home Alone 3 are a biconic couple. They are a biconic couple. Oh my fucking god! And if they ever get unhappy with their little Chicago lives, they should call me. <laughs> anyway, we have the most terrible siblings in all of cinema. Um, oh yeah. Little Scarlett Johansson is here playing, uh, is she, this is the first time she's been here, right? I believe so. I think this is also her first movie. Uh, she's she's playing what's her name? Molly. Molly Pruitt. Yes. She. Uh, we've also got Stan. Uh, he's not hyperlinked. What's his name? His name's Seth something. <laughs> Seth Smith playing yeah. Stan Pruitt, the Buzz character. Yeah, he's is basically the Buzz character. They've literally just changed the hair color and taken it in a different direction. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. As Mrs. Hess, we have Marion Seldes. Her second kicking and streaming appearance, well, I believe. What was her first? I forget. The Haunting. Sorry, I'm dumb. We literally just did The Haunting. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was Mrs. Dudley in The Haunting. Absolutely. In the night. In, in the, the dark. dark. <laughs> we love her on uh, this podcast. Guys, she is a classically trained actress of immense Broadway fame as well. She's a Tony Award nominee. She's a Tony Award winner. I, I, I love her so much. She was in Equus, Deuce, Ivanov, uh, Round the Moon, Death Trap, A Delicate Balance. Every time you bring up an actor who was in Equus, I always have a million questions. I know, but like, <laughs> we, al- we don't always have all the answers now, do we? Mrs. Hess is a very crotchety old lady who is their neighbor. She lives right across the street from them. 
Um, we've got what? <laughs> no, it's okay. I just I feel like her reputation in this film is just as a crotchety old crone, but she's really just an old lady who's trying to enjoy her retirement. And the mom across the street is always bugging her to look after her kid. Indeed. Like, give Mrs. Hess some grace, okay? I'll explain this in a second, but as Peter Beaupre, we have Olek Krupa. Yeah. Olek Krupa. Uh, Eraser, Blue Streak, The Italian Job. Oh, The Italian Job with all the Mini Coopers or whatever they were called. He's, um, uh, yeah, Moshkov in Italian Job. Also be uh, Behind Enemy Lines. I've never seen that either. From 2001. He plays the president of Russia. Oh, yeah, he is Russian, I believe, or Ukrainian, or... He's Polish. Oh, is he really? He is indeed. Oh, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Uh, also, he was also in Hidden Figures, X Men First Class. Um, he's very effective. Yeah, he is as the lead goon here. I call them the Cell. The Cell. Yeah, C E L L. Okay. Yeah, the Cell. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, what an eclectic group here. As Alice Ribbons, we've got Rhea Kilstedt. You know, it's interesting because in my memory of this movie, which I haven't seen it in fifteen years until today, but in my memory of this, that's Missy Pyle. But it's not Missy Pyle. Missy Pyle's in Home Alone 4. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Guys, deep impact. Yes. Where the meteor hits the earth and President Morgan Freeman tries to save everybody. <laughs> uh, Women in Trouble, Atticus Institute, Dexter. Yes. She's Dr. Ross on Dexter. And she was also on Nashville. You know, that ABC <laughs> sitcom about the country singers. About Connie Britton, yeah. <laughs> that's all I know is Connie Britton. Out of all the goons, I like Alice most. She is, I like Alice a lot. Yeah, she's my favorite goon. We've got Lenny Von Dolan as uh, Mr. Jernigan. <laughs> His name's Burton Jernigan? Wow. He, he's the serious one. I get, yeah, no. Uh, he was in Twin Peaks. <laughs> he's the he's the agoraphobe from Twin Peaks. He's Harold, Harold Smith. Uh, and then also Electric Dreams from 1984. Oh, okay. I don't know what that's about. Okay, Lenny. Um, and then we've also got David Thornton as <laughs> Mr. Unger. Earl Unger. He's the only one of the goons I directly recognize. Oh, yeah. Is that from Law & Order? Yes, it is. He's constantly a defense lawyer on Law & Order SVU. <sighs> also the other woman. <laughs> and also the notebook. Do you want to know a wild fact? Tell me. Right here. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Right now. <laughs> David Thornton, you're never going to guess who he's married to. Oh, no, really? He is the husband of singer-songwriter Cindy Lauper. No! What? Oh my god! They were born the same year. David Thornton is good enough for Cindy yeah. Lauper. Oh my god. <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. I've never known this uh, until right now. That's so great. Guys, we absolutely must get to the content if we're to not be here for two hours. Alright, guys. This is a different kind of Home Alone. It really is. It just is, guys. Like, obviously we're not dealing with the McAllisters anymore, but most of our action is still in Chicago, mm -hmm. believe it or not. And so we begin in this warehouse somewhere in Hong Kong. I, my first note is, can we leave the Chinese out of this? I know. Like, listen, <laughs> the Chinese suck. Guess who else sucks? The Americans. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> guys, there is a $10 million missile chip that is being developed by Axis Defense Technologies based out of California. The kind of thing that you can literally plug into a missile and then it prevents it from being shot out of the sky. Yeah, I don't know how 
that works. <laughs> and what from what I know about from what little I know about how we've tried to develop missile interception technology, it's never gone historically well. And like the entire like the chip is the MacGuffin of this entire movie. It's all about getting to the chip. It's the main conflict of this movie. This organized crime organization based in the east somewhere in china i guess i'm not sure i think the we fbi agent says north korea at some point we don't get a lot of background on it but in hong kong a one peter bopre who is an international uh i don't know an international criminal is what they're described as but no yeah that's what i have written i was like i love how the stakes of this franchise were elevated from basic breaking and entering crookery to international espionage. This mob boss, who is Jimmy Saito, is uh, commissioning Beaupre to put together a team to retrieve this missile chip from his guy inside the U.S. government, or at least inside Access Technologies, which has to be a government contractor. $10 million for the missile chip. Not a plan but the chip itself. Why the big prize? My clients have requested it. I honor my clients' request. Who are your clients? <laughs> yeah, what, I, who, what is this all for? I have follow-up questions. Like, and we never get that answer. All we know is that whoever possesses the chip can control the region they're in. <laughs> and he's like, Bo Prey, go get it. And so... <laughs> We transfer to Axis Defense Technologies headquarters in the Silicon Valley in the good old U.S. of A. We're in California. And this dweeb, who I did not credit and we've got names, but it doesn't really matter. No, he's here for five seconds. Yeah, no, he's parked out. He's leaving Axis and he's parked outside their headquarters. And these guys pull up in the van, in this black van. It's Beaupre. It's this Burton Jernigan guy, Alice Ribbons, and... Earl Unger, Mr. Yeah. Lopper. No, yeah, Unger is kind of the smart mouth. Like, he's basically the David Stern of the team. Yeah, he's the dumb one. Yeah, and then we've got Jernigan. Jernigan's very serious. Very, He takes this job very, very seriously. Almost too seriously. No, it's like, uh, I, I, he wants to be a Beaupre one day. Yeah, you know? exactly. And then we have Alice Ribbons, who is just the girl. Right? Yeah, no. Token woman. <laughs> token woman. Token woman. But you know what? I feel like she is crucial to their plot getting as far as it does. Women usually are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, don't throw away Alice. She's the only one I'm really rooting for here. Rooting for? Okay, on the bad side of things, yes. <laughs> I'm rooting for her. But I'm okay. also not. Like, I wish that she could have gotten the chip, found a way to ditch them all, and gotten $10 million. <laughs> Would that have put our country in jeopardy? Yes. But what are we really protecting here, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Not Ross rooting for the international terrorists. I mean, come, something's got to give. I'm <laughs> sick of this. Stop it. There's a threat every day I go out my door. <laughs> All the volcanoes are erupting. White nationalism. Uh, oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Move on. Moving on. Uh, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's what you asked for. Air Force NSB 100 C-Series. If that goes in a missile, air defenses can't stop it. 
This man says that if this chip goes in a missile, air defenses cannot stop it. And I mean, hey, he's the co- he's the defense contractor. He obviously knows this information. We just gotta take his word for it, I guess. So to slip this <laughs> very coveted missile chip through airport security, they they go to San Francisco, where they're going to then take it back to Hong Kong. And in the San Francisco airport, before they go in, they hide the chip inside of a toy remote control car. Which, I mean, if when that thing goes through security, are, how are they really going to be able to differentiate in order to keep things moving quickly the difference between that missile chip and the chip that's already in it? You're right. You know what I mean? Especially in a pre-9-11, you know, landscape, right? Exactly. Like, I, I kind of understand because in my notes, I'm like, how does this almost work? Also, yeah, it's the holidays. A lot of people are traveling. Who's going to suspect, you know? Exactly. They're expecting to get right through. It's San Francisco, too. Like, terrorism is usually on high alert in other ports of the country, right? Yeah. There's this uh, bakery in San Francisco called Parisian, and they have these white bags that everyone carries their bread in. And there are these white bags speckled all throughout the airport. Everyone's buying Parisian bread. Apparently it's hair on fire exciting. I think there's a store for it in the airport terminal. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's something about that San Francisco sourdough America's <laughs> just got a dick in its mouth about. But this, uh, we see Mrs. Hess. The little old lady that lives across the street from Alex. Yeah, in Chicago. And basically, when they're going through security at the airport, Hess is in front of them. They get held up and they switch their bags. So Hess takes off with the toy car in her white Parisian bag, and they take a white Parisian bag that has bread in it. (laughs) How disappointing. (laughs) Which, how you could not feel the difference at first touch, I don't understand, but... And unbelievably, that will not be the last time that comes up in this episode. And they start to freak out because they not get 10 steps away from security when they realize that is bread in that bag and not the toy car. (laughs) So they all split up. They check every terminal every lounge every friggin bar and restaurant in that airport nothing so they decide what's the flight that's leaving next which they got kind of lucky with this i know they're international operatives but beaupre's looking at the departure board and is like chicago it's going to chicago so they literally chase mrs hess onto this flight to chicago and then get off behind her at O'Hare and start tracking her through O'Hare Airport. Alice find yeah, because Alice noted as soon as they get off the plane, Allison sees that bag mm-hmm. and that she's got the toy car in it. And she gets into they just miss her. They narrowly miss her. She gets in a cab and it drives away. But Jernigan, with his cool little glove camera. <laughs> He just squeezes that glove and it takes a picture of the taxi cab's call number. 3447. I can't believe you have that written down. 3447. At the Chicago Taxi Depot. I don't know where they all go when they're done being taxis, but... They corner this poor cab driver, and the cab driver gives them the information of North Devon Park on Washington Street is where he took that lady to. The Chicago suburbs. You're at a fare from the airport around 1620 hours, January 8th. Senior citizen, female, Caucasian. Why? About 4.30 today, old broad. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got an address on them? Well, North Devon Park, uh, Washington Street. Describe the house, please. A big, old, uh, Tudor-like place. Details. Christmas lights, wreath on the door, Christmas tree at the end of the driveway. And the driveway is the only one in the block that wasn't shoveled. Cut to little Alex Pruitt. 
tiny little Alex. He's got to be what? Eight. Eight. He's eight he's years so, old. He's so tiny, and he's shoveling this old lady's driveway for money. He was supposed to be shoveling it the whole time she was gone. Yeah, but But, his... like, most eight-year-olds shirked his responsibilities. <laughs> just now getting it in. And little Alex D. Lins is just so adorable. And... <laughs> He comes up to her, he finishes shoveling the driveway, comes up to her door. All done, Mrs. Suss. I'm exhausted and sweaty, but you can't see because I'm all covered up. You were supposed to deal with the snow promptly, weren't you? Yes, but... Butts are for ashtrays. I don't care for excuses. We had an understanding, and you broke it. Your word is worthless. Sorry, that'll be no charge, Mrs. Suss. So you can tell the neighborhood I stiffed you on a snow removal job? Mm-mm. And, like, Mrs. Hess is mad that he didn't take care of the snow while she was gone. <laughs> but, 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 butts are for ashtrays. We had a deal. <laughs> and I'm like, ma'am, he's not some 40-year-old bum that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't shovel your driveway for money. Like, he's she, eight years old. It's so mean to him. He's a second grader. Yeah. <laughs> like, so to pay him for his late work, she gives him the remote control car that obviously ended up in her custody by accident. She's so mad that her bread is back in San Francisco. It's bread, he Mrs. Like... Hess. What do you think her first name is? Marjorie? Yeah, take the thing. I have no use for it. <laughs> And so so Alex is like also scratching his bum as he's thanking her. Yeah. He's like, didn't anyone, and she's like, didn't anyone ever tell you that it's inappropriate to scratch yourself in the presence of a lady? All right, Mrs. Hess, but we've got bigger problems here. (laughs) I love, jeez, what a grouch. (laughs) He lives just across the street too. And like, just as he's going into his driveway, we see the cell pull around the corner in their cute little minivan that they've no doubt jacked. Yeah, no, they're looking for a driveway driveway that's not shoveled and because Alex has just gotten done shoveling Mrs. Hess's driveway <laughs> and every one of the 14 houses on this block has a shoveled driveway so it's going to take 25 minutes of this movie for them to figure out which house this car has eventually ended up in Bo prays like guys we're just going to have to search them all there are 14 houses the toy car must be in one of them we're going to have to search them all we'll come back when it's light we're going to work houses in broad daylight it's the suburbs, Mr. Hunger. Nobody's home during the day. So they just, like, lease a house on the block? Oh, no, yeah, it's so funny. Like They th- just lease a house to set up as a base of operations for this international espionage. When Alex gets in the house, this contraption he has to feed his fish... He's such an ingenuitive little fuck, as they usually are in the Home Alones. Yeah, like, he's just got this Rubes Goldberg machine set up. Of course, those will come back later in all of the stunts. Alex is discovering very quickly that he has chicken pox. <laughs> When he takes down his pants in the mirror to see if they're on his ass. Yeah, the bumps. And then, of course, a quintessential Home Alone scream. Ah! Alex slammed the toilet seat down on his thing again. Bullseye. Alex? What happened? I had nothing to do with this. I'm innocent. Yeah, I, I gotta go. My kid slammed the toilet seat on his thing again. I'll call you back. Yeah. Alex? That it's a repeating event in this house. That Alex has accidentally slammed the toilet seat down on his penis. Buddy, you need a step stool. Like, (laughs) you can aim. Like, (laughs) 
Guys, it's a myth that you can't not make it all in the bowl. It really is. It's such a myth. Also, <laughs> pee into the liquid. It's you peeing on the side of the bowl that's getting it all over the bowl. It's why your wives and mothers and sisters are angry at you all the time. Because you don't want to piss into the liquid. I don't know why. I don't know what is. I don't know what this monkeyish urge to watch the liquid flick around out of your body is. You're killing me. I'm sorry. I'm heaving. Please. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> when we were getting when we were getting glimpses of the siblings, the way Molly is writing the math answers for a test she no doubt has tomorrow on the bottom of her shoe. And like Stan, it loves basketball and hot models from magazines. Yes. And he oh, he squishes one of Alex's crickets. He's also got a talking parrot whose name we never get. Do we want to give them one right now? Can we? Aw, I love that you didn't assume the bird's gender. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, Polly seems too obvious. Um, How about Karen? Karen? That's the mom. This is Karen. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Karen. The bird's name is also Karen. Okay, fine. But we got to call Ka- mom Mrs. Pruitt. Karen then. the parrot. <laughs> Here's the thing. I could buy the whole scenario of him being home alone if it was just Alex and maybe one parent, listen, right? Listen, Karen but- and Jack Pruitt are very busy 90s parents. Yeah, he's got a full-blown family. We've got Jack and Karen. They're busy professionals. I think Karen works at a bank. Dad's a day trader. I'm guessing. I don't know. And then, like you said, we have older sister Molly and older brother Stan. And, like, I just, there's so many, why did he have to have that many family members? Exactly. So, of course, Alex is homesick from school. He's got the pox. He can't be taking the pox around the other kids. Mm -mm. And Kate is, no, can't call her Kate. No, you can't. (laughs) It's not, it's not Kate McAllister. It's Karen Pruitt. I'm so sorry. He's making use of this toy car. Yes, he is. I love that because he can't, like, she can't come too near him, right? Like, and so he's, like, in bed alone and he's ringing a bell and she's working from home. And so she comes upstairs and he wants a refill. (laughs) He wants juice and he (laughs) puts the cup down on top of the toy car and remotes it over to her. You rang. I will say it is a refreshing change of pace in this franchise to see a family that's not pathologically inattentive. Oh, no, they're not. They're not halfway broken already. Yeah, no, not like the McAllisters. Listen, this is why I will say Pete, Kate, keep it fucking zipped, okay? (laughs) Put a prophylactic on. (laughs) This is why your family is in such turmoil all the time. Because they have too many kids. Everyone feels neglected and everyone's Irish. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the Pruitts Pruitts just have three kids. Like, it's manageable, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, yeah, like you said, mom stays home from the office, brings all of her work home. She's taking care of him all day. When we see, okay, I'm sorry, but when we see the cut of Alice purchasing the house in the blonde wig. Yes. And using the southern accent. Oh, my <laughs> boys are just gonna love it here. And the sinister music. Well, isn't this charming? And it's available immediately. My boys are just gonna love it here. While Karen is trying to work, Alex decides he'll play his favorite game, Messin' with Hess. 
Like I said, he's an ingenuitive little fuck, and what he's done is he's 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 a little voyeur. I hate it. He's he can, from his vantage point, his house on Washington Street is a perfect vantage point into all other fourteen homes, I guess. And he's got a telescope. Yeah, it's the most central, and he is spying on Mrs. Hess. She's watching TV, smoking her cigarettes, and he's got this little contraption he's made where he's gotten a remote that works on her television. Did he <laughs> steal it? Like no, back in those days. But I know you would have no way of knowing this, but back in those days, most remotes worked on other televisions. I was one when this happened. You had, you had, you know. Yeah, most remotes had the same receiving technology for all TVs. I kind of hate that you have a majority of the 90s and I don't. I know. You know what I mean? It's okay. It was a great decade. (laughs) It was a great decade for ignorance and splendor. Yeah, it was a great decade to be an American, to be a privileged American. Anyway. So we see the goons casing this entire neighborhood neighborhood like they're all in bad disguises so bad like i think i think alice is like pushing a stroller with a fake baby in she it she sure is oh wait no that's not the first one she does because remember they kidnap one of the neighbor's dogs. Yeah, yeah, so that they can pretend to walk it. So yeah. That, so they won't look conspicuous. So, like, they're just sneaking around the suburbs trying to figure out which house this remote control car has gone into. <laughs> Another pet we failed to mention is Doris the White Rat. Oh, that's right. Uh, Alex has a little white mouse that he keeps in a cage. It is a rat. It is a rat. I, I... <laughs> Uh, you know me. I know rats. You do know rats. I worked very closely with rats for a time. And it is a rat. But no. I quit the government, so it's okay. <laughs> no! No, I worked- You mean the exotic animal I, clinic. I worked at an animal clinic, guys. So yeah, you do know a rat when you see one, and her name is Doris, and she's lovely. Yeah, she is. And she's she's going to be a key. Yeah, she <laughs> is. She is. And you wouldn't you know it, Karen has an asshole boss. Yup. I think his name's Carl. Charlie. Charlie, that's right. Close. <laughs> yeah, um, I did get pretty close. <laughs> Carl is just the Germanic form of Charles. Did yeah. you know that? <laughs> I did know that, actually. <laughs> and Charlie has called Karen into work because there's a meeting she can't miss. And I love it. She's settling Alex down into bed, explaining how she has to go into work. And Alex, again, who was all of eight years old, is like, what about the family leave act? <laughs> this is bullshit. Like... <laughs> He's such a little adult, as the Home Alone kids always are. What about crooks? I don't think that's a problem during the day, honey. Why not? Nobody's home during the day. I'm only eight, and I figured that out. Don't you think a grown-up crook could figure it out, too? This is a very safe neighborhood. There's only one road in and out of here. The doors will be locked. You have all my numbers. I'll be home as soon as I can. Like, he just knows that... This is irresponsible. Like, even for an hour. Yeah. He's going to be gone for an hour. And he's eight years old. He's like, I, he's like, listen, lady, I know what could happen. I know what I could do while I'm here alone. Yeah. So Beaupre starts hacking into people's security systems and entering their homes. They have technologies to disarm your home alarm system. Yeah. And, like, Alex is just in the attic, casually looking through his telescope, spying on the neighborhood, and he sees Beaupre in a neighbor's house. At 3015 Washington Street. This is the Steffens. (gasps) 
immediately he goes to the phone and calls 911. <laughs> Sirens come and they abort. The cell aborts. We have to get Beaupre out of the Stefan's house. Yeah, the crooks are too slick to be caught, and so they get out of there before the police roll up. The shot where he disappears is fucking ridiculous. Oh, when, no. when the van is coming down the alley that goes behind the homes. It's like coming at the alley at 40 miles per hour. Doesn't slow down at all. It slides past Beaupre and he's just gone when it goes out the other side of the frame. And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> he Batmaned away. Alex updates Karen as she's coming up the walk. There's a burglar in the Stephens house. I saw it with my telescope. There's a woman with a dog in a gray van and a man in running clothes. I didn't recognize anybody but the dog. He looked just like Johnny Allen's dog, so I called the police. You called the police? <laughs> You called the police? <laughs> the way she jerks him inside. And I love this because one of the cops that responds is the dad from Mean Girls. Did you notice that? He certainly is. Yes, he is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, love I did that. not take no. Oh my God. <laughs> this is happening as a false alarm, right? No, yeah. They they burst in that house. There's no one there. And they have to come across the street and give Alex a firm talking to. Of course this happened, because from here on out, when he tries to tell anyone that there's international spies trolling his neighborhood, no one's gonna believe him. They're like, listen, dude, false alarms are no joking matter. And, like, Alex is like, listen, I saw what I saw. Y'all can believe what you want to, but, like, there was <laughs> someone there. And poor Karen is so embarrassed. She's like, you get in bed, mister. I don't care if you're sick or not. I am very angry with you. In San Francisco, the FBI is already on the case. Yeah, they are. They already know about the chip, and they already know there's a cell in the United States trying to get it. Yeah, they've got security footage from all of the airports with the goons in it looking for this chip. I hope the goon from Axis is in custody. <laughs> Tell me we got him. Yeah, no, we seriously. We need less of him in governance, please. <laughs> I just, I, I just can't figure out how it took them so long to figure out what's going on because, like, obviously it's because no one takes Alex seriously. And then on the other hand, like on the goon side of things, they can't figure it out either. They can't figure because, like, they tripped that alarm system, but it shouldn't have alerted the authorities. And so when they show up, they're like. Who ratted us out? Like, what's going on? Yeah, they, they suspect it must be someone on the street, so they're going to have to step up the uh, the cover while Beaupre is doing the snooping. I guess Beaupre is the only one that can be trusted to do the actual snooping. Cars came and went. The mailman came by. We could have a watcher on any house in any street. It could be anybody. I don't think it's just anybody. I think it's someone on our street. Someone we are not tracking. Someone we've missed. I think what's missing from this movie for me is chemistry between the goons themselves. I guess, yeah, but like they're not like they're idiots, but they're not idiots like Harry and Marv. No, that's the thing, is that Harry and Marv obviously have a long working relationship. Yeah. And like I feel like these goons met maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. Because that's how international espionage goes, right? You hire the leader and then the leader finds the guys. Do and you have something you need to tell me, Carrie? No, I'm just I've seen lots of movies. You know, like Reservoir Dogs. They won't call <laughs> anybody by their first name just code names and nobody uses first names either here what's your international cr <laughs> what's your international crime code name heavy cream mine's mamaw <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny i love that so much 
Now the cell is going for 3025 Washington Street. That's Mrs. Hess. Oh, right across the street from Alex. And once again, Alex doing his little spying at home while Karen has to go to the bank again. He spots Beaupre in her house and again calls 911. Karen misses the bank, Jack misses the flight, and we're right back to where we were again. And again, the cell aborts. And the way, also, I've never seen police respond to a burglary either in media or out of it like the, the way they do. Like, no, the, yeah. Im- the implied rich white privilege of it all. Like Alex drags the entire police force back out to his neighborhood. I am kind of surprised that they responded. Also, these Chicago cops are dumb as fuck because they search the whole house. <laughs> And Beaupre doesn't have time to get out. The way he is hiding is patently ridiculous. Oh no, I literally have, he pulled a Matilda. Literally a Matilda. He's hiding in the rafters by bracing himself against the ceiling. Literally look up. My God. <laughs> You're trusted with my safety and protection? <laughs> no. Oh my God. Literally look up. Anyway, they he, they get out of it again. And the police really sit Alex down to explain things. The chief, the chief of police. He's sitting Alex down for a lecture about wasting public resources. And I I gotta love Alex in this moment. He's doubling down. He doesn't give a shit what these dumbass adults think. There was no one in that house. What about Johnny Allen's dog? I talked to Johnny last night. His dog was kidnapped on Monday morning. Did he see it happen? Alex? Apologize to the chief and go up to your room. Excuse me for being a good citizen. Alex? (laughs) The Kevin (laughs) McAllister sass of it! You know how many times... You better not wreck our trip, you little sourpuss. Your dad's paying good money for it. No, exactly! You wouldn't want to ruin your fun, Mr. Cheapskate. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how many times I went to write a note about Alex and I typed out K-E-V and then went, nope, backspace, backspace, backspace. It's not Kevin, it's Alex. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm really sorry. This is not the time. I just had a great idea. Let's bring Alex Lenz out of retirement. Okay. I need like a home alone. What are they up to now? 20? Yeah. 21? (laughs) 21 home alone I need a home alone 21. Okay. With grown up Macaulay Culkin and grown up Alex D. Lenz. Oh my God! Preventing yet again another international thing. You know what, Ross? Don't speak it into existence because it will happen. <laughs> my God! Because I was just thinking, I don't know if Kevin and Alex would be friends or not. I think they would. I I think like mm, I feel like Kevin would feel like he's better than him though. Oh, is it going to be like a Phyllis and Dwight situation where like, it's like Dwight has a big personality and, and I have a big <laughs> personality? <Yeah. laughs> Like, if I'm going to pick which one's better, Kevin is definitely better in the, you know, sense that he can literally make shit happen from nothing. But, like, think about what Alex does. Yeah, I know. It's like another caliber. Like, this is the safety of our country's at stake. He prevents an international <laughs> crisis. <laughs> yeah, like, anyway. Oh, man. Also, when he comes to the top of the stairs and his siblings are standing there and the parrot goes, Rawr! loser. I lose my shit every time. (laughs) The parrot ridicule. Like, these siblings are indeed the worst. The way they just start taking his inventory as he's slowly walking away from them to his bedroom. Now that you've pranked the cops twice, it goes on your permanent record. For the rest of your life, if you call for help, it won't come. Dad missed his plane. He was late for a meeting with his boss. We have to fork over much needed family cash to the Steffens and to an evil octogenarian so they can have their doors repaired. And even worse. 
the world laughs, Alex. You've stained the family name. The thing is, is that it's not even that they're not that funny. It's just for me, they don't need to be here. I know. It's like there's no reason. Like, no disrespect to those actors. I don't think those characters needed to be in the script to begin with. Literally, take them out of the equation. What does it change? It really doesn't change that much. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. Alex is kind of finding their pattern yeah. as, as time goes on during this week that this whole movie takes place in. You know, when he's sitting in the window. Nobody's going to do anything about this. I'll just have to do it myself. And so he's going to do this. He's going to take this on. These elaborate criminals. He's going to—he's determined to somehow out them. The next day, Alex has rigged up his own little mobile surveillance system by strapping a handheld camcorder to the top of that remote-controlled car. And wiring a video feed into a television in his attic. 1997, everybody. <laughs> Give it up for 1997. He drives that car across the street between a pair of the goons. Which is just ridiculous also. There's no way that toy car's traveling through snow that easily. <laughs> Also, thank God for dog doors that shouldn't be open like that in the winter. Damn, I guess they can afford the heat. Like <laughs> He goes into this house that Beaupre is in through the dog flap. I say he. he I mean he's piloting the car. Mm-hmm. He drives the car through this dog flap. And Beaupre is casing the place trying to find the car. And... He catches Beaupre on camera rifling through the family's things. Uh Uh-huh, and we're like, oh, thank God, I've got the goods. No, no. No, 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 no. Beaupre catches the car for a second. Got him, Doris. Got him. Yes, 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 yes. You are so busted. This whole, I just, I, we have to skim through this. <laughs> this whole elaborate chase scene from the moment Beaupre discovers the car to actually getting the car. I'm like, I like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. And props to the production designer for finding ways to make this look, you know, fun and interesting. But what ends up happening is Alex pilots the car out of the house. It jumps through the dog door and then it ends up spinning on its side on its wheels. Mm-hmm. And then all the goons find it spinning on its wheels on its side. When they pick it up and Beaupre takes the tape out. Yeah, he, he completely erases everything that Alex has caught on camera. And then Alice picks the car up and she's looking into the camera lens like, ha ha ha, we got you now. <laughs> and Alex... Alex presses a lever on that remote control and revs the wheels and the thing literally drives up her face and knocks her backwards into the snow. I bet remote control car sales were crazy after this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Like, when that thing bursts through the fence, like, come on. 
It must have an actual engine on it because holy <laughs> shit. Like, again, guys, I do not have time to describe all the things this car does to get away from these goons and also make them injure themselves. Yeah. Which, it's a fun little sequence, but anyway. Like, when Alex is finally back in control, the ridiculous way he jumps the alley to get it back into his backyard. Doesn't he, like, drive it up a snow drift? Or a... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a snowed on pile of wood, like... And, like, when he finally is back in possession of the car, he's like, oh, thank God. But then he discovers that they've taken the tape out of the video camera. So this whole scene has been for naught. It's been for nothing. And at the same time, he's like, why the fuck do they want this toy car so bad? Yeah, he can't reason it out. Like, Like, they took the tape. Like, why do they still go after the car? And because he's a little smarty pants, he takes the car apart physically. Can you imagine if drugs had fallen out? I know, right? (laughs) But instead, an international missile chip falls out into his lap. And he can see on the chip, it's got the words United States Air Force on it and a little serial number. So... Being the smart boy that he is, he contacts an Air Force recruitment center. <laughs> and the guy... I, just, I have he called the United States Air Force! Yeah, and he's, he's like... eight years old! He's like, listen, I've got a chip, and it's got an encryption code on it. It's also got your name on it. You know anything about this? And, like... Computer chip, huh? Where'd you find it? I found it in a remote-control car that I got for shoveling snow for Mrs. S. She lives across the street from us. It says U.S. Air Force on it, but you have to look under a magnifying glass in order to see it. Kid, a lot of toys have Air Force written on it. This is a recruiting office, son. We don't handle matters like this. And, like, Alex is like, okay, thanks for nothing. Could I at least give you the serial number that's on it? And he's like, go ahead, and he writes it down, and that's that. When, when they're all fucked up back at their little, you know, hideout that night, the, the cell, <laughs> Ribbons has got, like, the ice on her neck, and she's like, listen, it's a kid. It's yeah. a kid that's home during the day and can, like, watch us and fuck with us. It can't be anything else. And Why like, else would he be using a toy car to do it, right? Exactly. And, and like, everybody's like, ah, spa, dumb woman. Like, yeah, you know. once again, leave it to the woman to find the answers. Beaupre now marks 3026 Washington <laughs> as the place where it's most likely coming from. And because be- it's the house with the best vantage point to all the other houses. It's in the middle of the street. And... <laughs> We th- the car was last seen around 3026. And of course, because they're international agents with a renewed sense of urgency, <laughs> they can get the phone number for Alex's house. And so Ribbons does a ruse on the house. She calls Alex's house and pretends to be some other kid's mom. Yeah, accusing Alex of stealing a toy car from her son. Alex, do you know a Bradley Clovis? Yeah. This is his mother on the phone. Did you take a toy car from him? No, he has one of those remote control cars, but he got it from the woman across the street. And Karen does confirm that Alex has a little remote control car like that. God damn it, Karen. (laughs) Alex, like, going to click the phone off so that they can't trace the number. You're so hot. Why did you have to be the reason? (laughs) Like. And the thing is, is that Karen recalls the number and they intercept it yeah who do they work for 
Who gave them all this technology? They like, have the technology to reroute the phone call to Ribbons' cell phone. It's kind of patently ridiculous, though, because how can they tell that she's dialing? Yeah. They, there's no way they've been able to get into her 1997 house to bug the phone. Like, Okay, all right, I see what you're saying. They would have had to tap the phone first for them to know that. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what's even more absurd to me is that little Alex understands what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, no. He, he doesn't go, oh, it actually is this Mrs. Clovis. No, he, he whispers as he hears his mom on the phone. Listen, I didn't mean to accuse your son. I'm certain Bradley just misplaced his toy car. It's not the way they are. They lose something, they immediately assume it's been stolen. Little boys do have wild imaginations, don't they? Planning montage time! Alex is down for the fight. He doesn't give a <laughs> shit. I'm not gonna cry or feel sad or scared. They can't beat me at home. They cannot beat me in my own home. The Kevin McAllister of it all. This is my house. And I have, have to, to defend, defend it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that. That's great. <laughs> and so the operation begins. It involves a whole lot of uh, tearing up of the house as well as bribing a bird. Yes. <laughs> the bird will only do his bidding if she get two crackers, not one. <laughs> Double or nothing. <laughs> There's also one of those infamous Chicago blizzards coming in. Yeah, snowstorm's coming too. So you know that's going to cause problems. And the next morning, Ribbons knocks on the door as this Clovis mother, whatever her name was, before Mrs. Pruitt leaves for work. She's going to ask to see the car. Mm -hmm. And like, she's got that dog that she stole. And I love Alex because he's like, it's time to free the hostages. Yeah. And so he has a dog whistle. For what reason? I don't know. They don't own a dog. He's Alex Pruitt. Okay, fine. Yeah. He's got tons of things. What he does is while Alice is standing there waiting for someone to answer the door, he goes to opposite sides of of the threshold back and, and forth keeps blowing this dog whistle so the dog will ping pong back and forth across Alice's path and wrap the leash around her legs and needless to say guys the dog destroys ribbons like <laughs> because Alex finally goes outside and blows that thing full blast from around the corner and the dog <laughs> takes off Alice at its heels drags her through the brush fucks her shit up <gasps> Tears her listening device out of her out of her snowsuit. She's got more cords coming out of her than a radio shack. <laughs> and then, like, she, when she... <laughs> then the dog runs around the back, and Alex lets him go. He freed the dog! He's like, go home, boy. Go home, you know? Oh, my God! And then Alice le- is, like, up. She leans over to get her mic and her pants rip. <laughs> Maintain your position. Do not, I repeat, do not draw attention to yourself. I need assistance. (laughs) I'm exposed. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, though. I'm exposed. (laughs) And real quick, meanwhile, the Air Force gets wind... (laughs) Gets wind. Of the, uh... Shut up! Sorry. Gets gets wind of the chip, and they're like, okay, Chicago in a snowstorm, now. (laughs) 
And I mean, that's going to work out just perfect for them, the timing. So mom goes out and leaves Alex home alone, and the goons descend on the house because they've seen her leave. They're so ridiculous, all of them wearing this all-white tactical gear, like they're suiting up for a field mission in Siberia. Mm-hmm, like, indeed. It's ridiculous. Karen calls Mrs. Hess and asks her to look in on Alex. Because she's retired. She doesn't have anything else better to do. And she's bitching about it. <laughs> she's crossing the street to go look in on the eight-year-old. Well, do they ever invite me over for a holiday eggnog? No. <laughs> Mrs. Hess, calm down, girl. What's her name? I don't, that's what I was saying. Like, I feel like her name's Marjorie or, like, I don't know, Eunice Something like yeah, that. Yeah, Eunice Hess sounds good. <laughs> Eunice Hess. <laughs> as she's as she's getting to the sidewalk, Beaupre and Ribbons come up to her, and they're like, "Oh my God, we're new to the neighborhood, and we think a package of ours might have gotten delivered to your house." The post guy said he put it in your garage because there was no one home. Oh. And guys, what? They're so cold. They take this poor old lady into her garage, trap her in there. Beaupre goes ahead, and Alice ties her up and leaves her in the cold. No. Tapes her mouth and everything. This is where this movie kind of starts to get serious for me because, like, she's like, okay, I'll show you where it might have been. And then, like, Alice is closing the garage door so she can tie her up in the garage. Sometimes I leave stuff at the back door. Why are you closing the door? I left my heart in San Francisco. And then you're right. She ties her to a chair and leaves the side door to the garage open so the old lady will die of hypothermia. And guys, the rest of the movie is hijinks. Yeah, no, you guys gotta keep up with us here because this is where the stunts start and where it just gets completely chaotic. So you're gonna have to stick with me here, okay, listeners? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna talk you through it. Okay, here we go. Yeah. There is electrified yarn. In that has since been put in front of the door, the front door to their house. I love the like Wiley Coyote type sign that he's put on it. Yeah, it's like this is electric. Don't fucking touch it. And <laughs> as if he can't just step over the hedges. I know. Like, but like I think that Unger, Unger's the one that's around back, right? Yeah, I know. Earl comes up to this thing and he's like, huh, this kid's cute. He takes wire cutters out of his pocket. He's got all manner of tools on him. And meanwhile, Jernigan's gone around back to try to get in. Classic Marvin Harry. Yeah. And um, they are, of course, all communicating on their little radios or whatever. And as Jernigan is sitting down in a chair that has also been wired. It's like a metal garden chair. Yeah. um, They're talking about how they're not having much luck. And at the same time that Jernigan sits down, Earl tries to cut the wires up front. This leads to an electrocution of both of them. (laughs) That, quite honestly, probably should have killed them. But we've seen this before. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's just like the Marv gag from the second movie, right? Jernigan, I think I'm going to enjoy this. It's been a long time since I was a kid. You forget how incredibly stupid they are. Uh, You be careful. Sometimes when kids get scared, they wet their pants. You're right. <laughs> this yarn, not only is the yarn wired, 
wired like with electric wires but like the 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 metal garden chair is hooked up to like a car battery <laughs> Beaupre is coming back from Hess's and is like Mr. Unger what the fuck are you doing cuz he's on his ass and he's burnt to shit <laughs> He's like, I'm okay. And so they tear the wires out of the way. And uh, and Beaupre's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's obviously got the place booby-trapped. I want you to take notice of something here. And they see <laughs> this string that's connected to the front door. It, they think it's, they can see it's tied to this huge fucking barbell that's been suspended <laughs> on the side of the house above the front door. And so they cut it, but they also yank it. And I'm like, you fucking idiots. And we can see in the attic a reaction has been triggered. Because the fishing wire wasn't attached to the barbell. It's attached to this Rube Goldsberg machine in the attic that's going to cause a chain reaction that allows this giant chest filled with heavy books to crash out the attic window over their heads. And it does. It goes directly on top of them. It busts open on their heads. The girlish way they're screaming as that chest comes down on top of them. A similar string reaction happens on the side of the house with Jernigan that allows him to be sprayed with ice cold water in the middle of a snowstorm. <laughs> He's already doing his best possible snow miser impression out there. Beaupre and Unger, still not phased, get up to try the door again. Oh no. And this time, the barbell actually does come down and falls directly on their faces. Because Alex sees them coming back up to the door and he's like, all right, time for the second wind, and cuts that line. Heads up. How did that happen? I don't know. And then they do the worst thing that they always do in Home Alone. Let's split up. Oh, here we go. Unger breaks off from Bupre and goes to a side window, which this is also like the first movie. Marv goes to that side window and it's open, not locked at all, right? No, yeah, no. He, well, he opens the shutters and inside this room, Alex has rigged the shutters with more string and it, it's, it's got tension on it. And so he finally pries these shutter doors open. Alex is sitting under the dining room table right inside the window, poised to release a giant slingshot containing a water balloon and a bag of plaster of Paris, which is a totally normal thing to have just lying around. Hi. (sighs) (laughs) Which I don't know if you guys have ever done paper mache before. But it's going to create a big sticky mess. Yeah, it gets all in Unger's eyes, <laughs> his mouth. Ah! He looks so funny splayed out like that. <laughs> He's so lucky he did not pass out from that because if he had, when he woke up, his entire face would have been frozen in the plaster of Paris. Ribbons takes her chances around back. Oh, no. And, um, <laughs> she's trying to get in the back, the, uh, back fence door, and she, uh, Reaches her hand over to unlock the door from the inside, and her hand goes right into a bucket of what is it, Carrie? 
it's industrial adhesive. It's like rubber it's, cement, right? It's like, like flooring adhesive, the kind of stuff you would use to put down fresh hardwood flooring. This is the one thing we haven't mentioned about the house yet, is that it is indeed under renovation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We completely forgot that element. It's okay. Yeah, the Pruitts are in the process of, you know, revamping this house. So, of course, And why wouldn't they be? Yeah, no. It's literally just for all of the tools to be laying around at the child's, you know, disposal. Did you, did, are there any, uh, you know, rich white privileged kids out there who, uh, your parents embarked on a expansion of your already very large home because they felt like (laughs) they didn't have enough space to get away from you? That's kind of what, that's what they're doing. You know they're creating a whole new bedroom system for themselves. Anyway, Alice jumping the fence into a, you know, thigh deep thing of mud. Just the the whole, that whole narrow area between the fence and his house. He's filled with mud and dirt and all this other shit. And she falls over a tripwire and lands on her face in this mud. My note is Alice getting her ass kicked on the way in is just priceless. (laughs) She gets nailed in the head by not one, but two stringed up Santa pots. (laughs) And then back to seeing Unger, he tries a different window. Fucking Earl. He's going in through what you think is going to be like an ornament gag, you know, like with Marv. Yeah. And stepping on all the ornaments. No, he puts his feet into two wheelie buckets, you know, play school wheelie buckets. I love how you said wheelie buckets. They're wagons? Whatever. They're mega block wagons that you would use to tote the mega blocks around? That are also filled with rubber cement. (laughs) So now he's got like permanent skates on his feet. It's Unger on wheels. (laughs) Jernigan actually goes searching in the garage. Yeah, he's the first member of the team to actually penetrate the exterior of the house. He gets in through the garage. The way this grown man falls for this fake out, his sister's got a lot of big monkey dolls. Yes, yes, yes. And he's put clothes on it to make it look like someone's waiting in the rafters for him. And Unger goes to pull it down thinking that it's Alex, right? Mm -hmm. And it won't come down. He's pulling and he's pulling, he's pulling. And he's yanking on the pull cord to start one of those really ancient rotillery lawnmowers. And like that lawnmower just comes spinning towards the edge of those boards and falls on Jernigan's face. Yeah, scalps him, scalps the hell out. should have been the end of it for Jernigan. It should have been, but it certainly isn't. It just gave him a very bad haircut. Also, Beaupre is actually still up front trying to get in. He (laughs) opens the mail slot and Alex sprays black spray paint into the mail slot. Oh, I bet that stings. That's the, hello, (laughs) gag. (laughs) Yeah. Surprise. When he's leaning up, he's got his back up against the door and he goes, what a loser. (laughs) And through the door comes an electric saw. Ah! 
an electric saw blade? Beaupre cuts through the locks of the door and gets in. And there's, an, yet again, another string attached to the front door that is making a doll inside the front hall closet cry. Yeah, and Beaupre is kind of an idiot, so of course he's going to investigate that. He opens up that door, and this fucking contraption that Alex has put together of this boxing glove on this, like, hinge attached to one of their other metal chairs. It's a nut gag. Yeah. It's a boxing glove to the nuts gag. Yeah, he pulls that door open, and that boxing glove punches him right in the nuts. He falls back on his fucking automatic weapon, and it goes off. (laughs) You are dead, kid. Oh, it's bad. I love that shot of Alex watching it happen and the way he just crosses his eyes. It's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, ooh, shit. Through all of their misgivings, everyone ends up in the basement. Oh, okay, but hold hold on. I don't mean to stop you, but I do love the way Unger ends up in the basement because he's got the perma skates on, right? Yeah, I know. And he just skids down the steps with those fucking mega block wagons on his feet. It also causes him to fall down fire's weapon into the uh, sewer line. (gasps) Ross! And all the poop raining down on him. (sighs) I was physically gagging during that part. All that raw sewage just leaking onto his face, and he doesn't bother to close his mouth. Also, Alex created a trap door out of the back porch, and now Alice is in the basement. (laughs) When she tries to gymnastic her way into the house and just falls through the floor of the porch. Nice try, kid. I know you're just getting a lot of sound clips of them yelling right now, but honestly, that's the best part about it for our purposes. It's just them ruining themselves during these stunts. Jernigan trying to enter through the renovation and falling all the way into the basement. (laughs) From like the third story. I honestly forget how Beaupre gets down there, but anyway. I I think he falls down there with Alice. I think he goes out onto the porch to check on Alice and he falls through the hole too. Oh, that's right. That's right. And he lands right on top of her. Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, we're all in the basement. Um, Unger has changed his clothes so that he doesn't have to be stuck inside the mega block wagons. And also, before they reascend into the house, Beaupre sets his gun down on the washer and then picks up right next to it The dart gun, which has been made to look the same. Yes. Which is patently ridiculous. (laughs) But Prey would feel the weight difference immediately. That dart gun is made of plastic, not metal. Yeah, no. Come on. It's it's patently ridiculous that this international espionage agent wouldn't know a real gun when he picked one up. But... It's going to come back in a really great way later, okay? So, anyway, his real gun is now on the washer, and he has picked up the toy. They go upstairs. Meanwhile, we see the FBI arriving at Stan and Molly's (laughs) school because they think it's Stan. Yeah, they think Stan's the one who called in the thing about the chip to the Air Force. Yeah, because they're here to interview a kid about an international crime ring. (laughs) (laughs) And... (laughs) You know, 
Karen, because like, because like Karen called to like check on Alex, mm-hmm. but he was like, no, don't come home right now. Why don't you go get Molly and Stan from school? <laughs> and Karen's like, are you sure? Oh, thanks, honey. You know, and is like lured away. And now she's sitting in the principal's office with her two oldest children and the FBI come in to speak to her about what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, per the FBI, they're like, we can't discuss the particulars, whatever. And this is the only moment that I like the siblings. The way they demand that the FBI agents fill their mother in on what's going on. Why is he in danger? She asked you a question, sir. I'm not at liberty to discuss it, son. The it you're referring to is my little brother. That's Carrie McMichael energy right there. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay, It you're referring to is my little brother, Ross, and I'm going to need you to put some respect on his name. And I am that it. (laughs) Yeah, you are. I know that's right. (laughs) The parrot singing green-eyed lady in the shower. How is there always a shower gag? We've already seen this happen once. Alex being smart enough to put the bird on speakerphone to fake them out in another house. (laughs) Yeah. And so now we think there's a, because I, I don't know what person in their right mind would believe <laughs> that this parrot's voice sounds like a lady singing in the shower. <laughs> sounds to me like a parrot singing in the shower. They fall for it twice, Ross. What Alex has done is taken the hot nudie printout from the back of Stan's <laughs> doorway, from the back of Stan's door, and taped it up in the shower and turned the shower on full blast, letting the parrot sing Green-Eyed Lady by Sugarloaf. <laughs> Speaking of John Hughes plagiarizing himself, you know what I'm going to talk about, right? Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, So Earl is faked out by the shower thing. Yeah. And then... Yeah, Juniger and Alice are... Juniger? Juniger, whatever the fuck his name is. The serious one. So in the electrocution, a big hole has been burnt into Jernigan's crotch. And Doris has just been out enjoying herself, I guess. Doris the mouse. Doris the mouse. And it crawls into Jernigan's um, pants hole. And (laughs) I hate that you had to use the words pants hole just now. Alex has just narrowly escaped into the attic from Alice and Unger. Alice is bent over checking under a bed for Alex. And she looks up and Jernigan's in the doorway and she can see Doris poking her little head through the hole in Jernigan's crotch. And guys, this is not just the same bit, but the same bit practically word for word. The Harry and Marv callback. Yeah, like in the with the tarantula in the first movie. <laughs> what? Alice? Don't move. Alice? What? Alice? Shh. Alice? She whacks him in the nuts with that golf club. And he sings opera. He does sing opera. See, that's a 
another one of my quibbles about this movie is that none of the goons really take their opportunity to scream and milk it for all it's worth, except for Jernigan. He really milked that for all it was worth. Yeah, and um, <laughs> Alex having just narrowly escaped from them into the attic... He literally, I love him so much, he opens up the window to make it look like he's gone out of it. And so what he does is he gets in the dumb waiter. What the fuck? Yeah, I know, I know. And he rides the dumb waiter all the way down to the basement from the attic so that it, it can make it look like he went out the window. He came up here and disappeared. Yeah. And also when he gets to the bottom, he takes the bottom out. Out of the dumbwaiter. Right. The I forgot about that. The removable bottom. Just keep that in mind. Okay. The, the cell bursts in to the attic and they find his whole little setup, how he's been surveilling them. They go to the window and see him standing in the backyard. Yeah. And they're like, I'm down here, you big whatever knuckleheads, you know, or whatever. He's holding the computer chip up. They go to the window. Recognize this? <laughs> You're not going to find me up there, you big dumb law-breaking knuckleheads! He's outside. Recognize this? So, guys, the one thing that we did not mention when we were setting things up for booby trapping was probably the most insane thing that he did. He unscrewed the diving board from his snow-covered pool in the backyard. Just an eight-year-old using power tools. And he set it next to it on the other side of the yard. (laughs) He then dragged the trampoline over his frozen pool. By driving the lawnmower. Yeah, by driving the lawnmower. I can't believe he unscrewed the whole diving board, moved it over. He digs an indent in the snow in the shape of their pool to make it look like... He also unscrews the the guardrails getting in and out of the pool and puts them in the ground on the other side. He's trying to make it look like you can't actually tell where the pool begins and ends. Yes, And and it looks like the pool is actually on the other side of the yard. And they think that he jumped down out of the house. They're like, how did he get down? And Alice is like, that trampoline. He jumped onto the trampoline and then got off. There's no snow disturbed on that trampoline. Yeah, she's their international operatives. They're idiots (laughs) at this point. Granted, they've been through a lot. Yeah, no, they're just trying to get to that missile chip. They're poopy, electrocuted, and severely injured. Like So Ribbons forces Unger and Jernigan out of the attic window. She was smart. I'll cover you from here. Yeah, she doesn't want to go down herself. She's like, I'll cover from here. You guys go down there, jump on the trampoline, and land in the yard. And this is, of course, just a repeat of the Harry and Marv. Going out the window after Kevin. Or climbing a a kerosene-soaked rope, you know, like. Exactly. And, of course, they fall right through that trampoline and into freezing cold water. Ooh. The noises they're making. (laughs) Hunger. Anyway, Alice decides she's going to get in the dumbwaiter to get out of the attic. This is extra dumb. And she she shoves her body in there, but guys, there's no bottom in it. (laughs) So she... I want you to realize, Alice lives. (laughs) 
But she shouldn't. There's no reason she should have survived this. Ass first, all the way down the shaft of this house's dumb waiter into the basement to only end with her going, ouch. Here I come, you little brat. Alex runs across the street to Mrs. Hess's house and finds her all tied up. And he's getting ready to untie her, and he's telling her everything's going to be okay. She's dying of hypothermia. Yeah, and um, from behind... I just... I hate this shot. Oh, yeah, because while he's untying her, he doesn't see Bupre, like, sneak out of the corner. Yeah, from behind the door. And he's like, ha ha ha, I have you in my trap. He picks him up. Puts Alex on the workbench in this garage and goes, where's the chip? He pulls the car apart, dumps the backpack out, can't find the chip. And so Bupre takes the gun out of his pocket and sticks it in Alex's face. It's so comedically bad. It's got the dart in it. Like, Yeah, no, Alex can see the dart sticking out of the muzzle of that gun. You expect this child to be terrified, but no, a grin breaks across his face. Give me the chip. It doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. The chip, son. Give me the chip. And that doesn't belong to you either. What? That's not your gun. He shoots the dart out of it, and it lands on a mirror, and he's like, oh. And then Alex pulls out a gun and goes, this is your gun. Oh my god, Bupre is like hands up, stepping away from the workbench because an eight-year-old has a nine millimeter in his hand. He runs out the back door. Yeah, he does. This is your gun. Gotcha. <laughs> Got him again. And then it's the bubble gun, guys. Yeah. He spray painted the bubble gun black. <laughs> so we could have this fake out at the end. I'm sorry. He would have known that wasn't the gun. No, I... shush. It's for the gag. And then, <laughs> then every cop shows up. I love how earlier in the movie they told Unger to block the street. And all he did was back their van to the head of that street saw off the stop sign and put a fake mailbox there. So it looked like someone's driveway. And <laughs> It's ridiculous. But yeah, the, f- the snowplow barreling over that van. <laughs> and then the cops all behind them and the FBI. Yeah, the like- feds are here. <laughs> and like, they, co- oh my God, them carrying all of their broken bodies out of that house. No, they're carrying Alice. She's in several pieces. But- <laughs> They, Jern- find, they Jern- find Jernigan and Unger frozen at the bottom of that pool. Freeze! <laughs> no, yeah. that was one of the only belly laughs I got out of this movie. Yeah. When they went, freeze! And I went, shut up! <laughs> oh my god. And like, they're they're in the house, and Special Agent Stucky is like, it's a shame about Beaupre. He yeah, always but, gets away from us. Yeah, Bo Prey's the only one they can't find. Like, Alex is just casually handing over this missile chip. There's him? Yep. Seven years have been after this guy. He always manages to slip away. Cut to the bird. Oh, here we go. Remote, the, the, remote, the remote control is mounted to the toy car. The bird is driving it. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, I know, I know it's not real. It looks like this bird is piloting this remote control car across the backyard. This tropical parrot is driving through the snow <laughs> on a toy car out into the backyard. And um, it drives into the little igloo thing they've got set up out back. Beaupre is hiding in it. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> You're going to hide at the scene of the crime? I know, but like, there's no way that he could get away with everything being blocked off for five blocks, I'm sure. Um, the, uh, the bird... Oh, this is great. The bird drives right into that igloo thing, and there's Beaupre, and Beaupre's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and the bird has matches. <laughs> I have so many questions about this bird. The fact that it can drive a car, the fact that it can sing songs. It's no sugar loaf. It's no sugar loaf. And, like, the bird flies up with a match in its mouth to the area surrounding the top. It's actually just a big kiddie pool that's been put on top of these these ice blocks to make it look like an igloo. And around the top of it, (laughs) Alex has um, tied a string of firecrackers. And big ones. Beaupre knows what the bird's going to do. He's already been through so much today. (laughs) The bird has a match in its claws. (laughs) And he reaches in his pocket because, you know, he's been eating his saltines the whole time. That's a detail we failed to mention. And he takes out the last saltine cracker he's got and hands it to the bird as if to say, please don't do this. (laughs) Please don't blow me sky high. And then the bird goes, double or nothing. I only have one. We have ignition. It's showtime. And then the bird lights the match. (laughs) Ross. And that igloo explodes. So they got Beaupre too, guys. Oh my god. And there's a cute little ending, and they're all in the kitchen, and like... Oh no, Ross, Alex brought down an international ring of espionage agents! And got a, got a six-figure reward from the government for doing so. The government gave him a six-figure sum for turning the chip back in. Yeah, they're really having Christmas this year. <laughs> It's ridiculous, guys. It all works out. I love the. I love it when. <laughs> I love it when the bird is driving the car around with the rat on it, with Doris on it. Yeah, man overboard. <laughs> oh no! The last detail I will mention before we close out this coverage. As you should. As you should. When all of the crooks are being booked at whatever federal facility they're being filed into, when they're all in orange, getting their mug shots taken. That we see all of their mug shots one after another. And I really don't know the statistical likelihood of this happening in in the 1997 world, but obviously not a one of them have ever had chicken pox before. Yeah, no, they all have chicken pox, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did they get caught, but they got the pox. Say cheese. is my town. Watch the turnish come around and if you're ready to see hell. Sorry. <laughs> that, that song at the end. Uh, guys, I'm sorry. That movie's fun. 
It is fun. Like, obviously, it's not the classic we all know and love. Yeah. I do think it's a good spiritual successor to the original two films. You just can't go in expecting the same thing, you yes. know? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, we're dealing with a different family, a completely different scenario. Indeed. Like, I do like that aspect of it. The conceit of this movie is very good. Guys, yeah, no. Save your civilization this Christmas and watch Home Alone 3. Like,. <laughs> You too can prevent international crime bosses from taking over the world. Oh my god. Like, again, yeah, the scale of what he was able to achieve is beyond impressive, if not absurd. And, you know, while there are some aspects that are lacking... It's still a good time. Yeah, no, there we have a new Holy Trinity for this uh, Home Alone. Oh, we do, yeah, huh? Yeah, no, it's, uh, John Hughes is still a part of it. Okay, so we have John Hughes. We've got John Hughes, we've got Alex D. Lenz, and 1997. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, happy holidays to all of our Little Onion listeners out there. Guys, we have got some great things coming for you at the end of 2022 here. Yeah, I'm just now kind of realizing it, but that is basically the end of Christmas for this year for us, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, there's holiday in the next subject, kind of. (laughs) There's snow in it. Okay. (laughs) All right. So here's the thing. I know this next project is not a Christmas film, okay? Everyone look to left field. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everyone, please, everyone in the audience out there, turn your head to left field. But the reason I wanted to do this project for this Christmas is because this Christmas will be the 10th anniversary of this film's premiere. Next week, we will begin our two-part coverage on Tom Hooper's 2012 adaptation of the critically acclaimed stage musical masterpiece, Les Miserables. Guys, oh, I'm positively dripping with sadness over here. (laughs) That's the first movie I've ever cried in the theater when I went to see it. No, when I went to see it in the theater, Ross, I didn't stop crying. Wasn't this release a moment, though? Wasn't it, it was. such a pop culture moment? Like, oh my god! And th- do you remember the Oscars that year? Oh, it was so good. When it lost to Argo. Fuck you, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Seriously, fuck you. Do you remember me standing up out of my chair? I was, so we were robbed. <laughs> we were robbed. So guys, be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. Hey, I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to come and join our little holiday watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.